Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and let's talk today about something important. I would call it the sequential order for your liftoff. Praise God. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring revelation knowledge so that we can understand it, take it, and apply it, consume it like spiritual food, and thus receive strength from it. Now, we thank you. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name, and we say today, amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Ah, so what we have here is a major, a major key in the sequential order or the countdown of end-time events. And for some reason, I know believers get excited. I know that we, we cry out, Maranatha, that's scriptural which is, Lord, come quickly. But, my friends, how can we skip over a hurdle that is so big and pretend like it's not there when it is? How can we uh, jump something and say, Lord, today's the day for your return when a major scripture has not yet been fulfilled? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, in other words, after this is done, and then the end will come. Well, my friends, this has not yet been done. Now, I've actually heard a few preachers say that it has been done, but I've checked with missiologists, those who study missions, and, uh, you know, the preaching of the gospel to the various nations of the world, and there are thousands, not hundreds, there are thousands of ethnic groups that have never heard about Jesus before. They flat out do not know the plan of salvation. They have never heard the gospel presented to them in a clear and understandable way because of language barriers, distance barriers, isolation, and all of these other factors that are formed in. So we still have work to do, and we're going to do that. Now, I anticipate the coming of the Lord. I yeah, I'm looking for the Lord to come and take his people home to meet as we, as the saints go to meet the Lord in the air, as the apostle Paul taught that we are exempted from the wrath of God that will be poured out on the wicked. And I believe all of that, but I believe that we still have some more work to do. I believe in a great end time revival. I don't believe we have seen that yet, but I certainly know that we have not seen the fulfillment of this scripture. I've talked with people that work in the area of Bible translation. And, uh, you know, it's just an ongoing job to try to get the Bible into the languages of these people who actually have no Bible in their own language. So they just flat out don't know. And Jesus said that they will know. So this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached. So we still have a lot of work to do. And while I'm not going to sit back in an armchair, lazy boy recliner, and just, you know, while the days away, I'm going to be working and doing all I can. And I, I know that you have the same heart. You want to do the same. Um, it is interesting. It does seem like that as we get older, 
that a lot of times uh, Christians begin to talk more about the Lord's second coming. <laughs> but you know, when you're 80 or 90 and you're like, well, the Lord might just come in my lifetime. Well, if I'm, if I'm 95, I'd be kind of like, well, who, who cares? <laughs> you know, I'm, all, I'm already at the end anyhow. Whether I go to be with the Lord or the Lord comes to take me, at this point, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's all good. In other words, you got a lot accomplished. The main working season of your life is uh, water under the bridge. And so, you're, you know, you are in the final chapters of the sunset of your life or something like that. And, uh, you know, uh, may everybody watching me and listening to me live to be over 100. But even if you're 100 and the Lord has not yet come, well, yes, there can be an excitement about the Lord coming back. But I think at that point, it's more of an excitement about us going to meet him. <laughs> Woo, praise God. You see what I'm saying? So I think a lot of young people need to hear this too, because sometimes... Well, I'll give you an example. I asked a young man filled with the Spirit uh, in his early 20s. I said, where do you go to church at? Uh, he goes, well, I'm not really going anywhere right now. He said, I'm looking for somewhere to go to. I said, what about this one church? Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, I tried to make that work. And I said, well, what was wrong? He said, well, the majority of the people in that church, they're all older. Now, he, remember, he's early 20s, so he thinks 50 is old, Okay. But honestly, that church probably does have most people that are 60, 70, and 80s, okay? So that's, that's the, probably 80% of the congregation, and, he, and he's in his 20s. So. And he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, the pastor, all the pastor does is talk about end-time events, you know, the tribulation, the Antichrist, the Lord's return, and all of this and that. And he said, I, he said I, I, I've got to live on some other stuff. I just can't live on that alone. I said, you're right. I understand. <laughs> So that's why, like many others, he's looking for a place where he can be fed and fit because he's got his whole life ahead of him. Well, uh, the young people like that need to know, uh, verse 14, that there's still a lot of work to do, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. That has not yet happened. Anybody that tell you uh, that would tell you that it has because of satellite TV or this or that or the other, they are, they are terribly I would even say grossly misinformed. I remember years back when Paul Crouch, the founder uh, of TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, he had a very famous preacher on as a guest one night. So Paul's interviewing this preacher. And this preacher, who's alive today, and he's, he's very famous, he said, I'll tell you what, Paul, we need to be expecting Jesus to come back at any moment. And, and the preacher said, he could even come uh, while we're having this interview. And Paul said, well, he said, you know, I, I long for the Lord's return just like you do. But he said, there's too many scriptures unfulfilled. And he said, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 is one of them. And of course, the other, you know, the guest pastor wasn't really buying it because he's all pumped up and hyped up and he's writing books <laughs> that are selling like crazy on end time events. You know, Jesus could come at any moment. And I understand that, but he's not coming out of sequential order. He's not going to do that. He's not going to ignore what he said in verse 14. Mm -mm. Praise God. By the way, Paul Crouch eventually died and went on to be with the Lord. <laughs> so I'm just saying we need to stay busy and we need to do all that we can and take advantage of the time that we have. Praise God. And also apply ourselves to the Great Commission. Now, this is interesting. In the year of 2012, I had a vision 
and I saw the Lord Jesus, and he and I had a conversation. And, and this is the real Lord. This is the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth who sits at the Father's right hand, who, uh, you know, sometimes grants these amazing visitations and uh, visions. And I had one from the Lord, and he, uh, he stood next to me in this vision, and we had a conversation about different things. Uh, because I remember in 2012, people were saying the U.S. dollar was going to collapse and all this stuff. And the Lord told me, he said, no, it's not. <laughs> he didn't say it like laughing, but I, I can't help but laugh because that was just reverberating through the church. The dollar is going to collapse and <laughs> we're going to go to war with, I, with Iran. And the Lord told me that's not going to happen either. Isn't that amazing? And he said, the dollar is going to, re actually, he said, the dollar is going to remain strong. And he said it very calmly. And uh, then he told me something else. Um, where did, I wrote it down. I want to say it the way he told me. Um, he said, America will be the first nation to put men on Mars. Can you believe Jesus told that to me? Oh, Pastor Stephen, uh, Jesus is coming to Mars. We'll be out of here. Well, I'm not basing the Lord's timing on what he would tell me. I'm basing it on scriptures. I see scriptures that are not yet fulfilled. But I know also that the Lord told me that America will be the first nation to put men on Mars. And he told me that in 2012, when there was no Artemis space program, that's really vamping up now. And they're finally getting a lot of this technology figured out with the engines and uh, how to close the gap uh, from what used to be a three-year plan from Earth to Mars and how, how are the astronauts going to survive. Now they've got that window condensed way down and it's eventually going to happen. It might be 10, 15 years from now. But the technology is very quickly unraveling uh, the complex problems they've previously faced. They're overcoming those. And you, in your lifetime, will probably see men put their foot on the planet Mars. And Jesus told me personally that Americans will be the first to do it. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm, God is good. Why do you say these things, Pastor Stephen? Because history repeats itself. And I remember uh, reading about all of the turmoil in the church in the late 1960s, particularly bumping up to 69, when, uh, you know, you had the Russians with Sputnik putting a satellite in space, and that terrified all the American people. And, uh, you know, because you, know, you had vibes of uh, po possible uh, nuclear war breaking out. Uh, but, you know, um, as we got closer to 69, with the Apollo mission of men going to the moon, the leading prophet on the planet at that time, William Branham, stood up and said, it ain't ever going to happen. And now don't tell me he didn't say this because I've read the man, I've read the transcript of that message. When he preached that message, he said, it'll never happen. He said, man will never get to the moon. God does not intend for men to go to the moon. He said, this is nonsense. It'll never happen. And uh, the church was like, Oh, you know, those in Pentecost, at least who listened to him said, Oh, okay, this is wonderful. Yeah, it'll never happen. Well, uh, unless you're somebody that hasn't read your history book, They've made it. They went to the moon. You know that. They've had multiple missions to the moon. I actually had my grandmother many, many years back in the early 70s tell me that uh, man has never gone to the moon. I said, well, Grandma, they've, all, they've gone and come back, and they've done it multiple times. She said, don't you ever tell those lies like that. And she, she pointed to a set of encyclopedias. She said, if it's not in those encyclopedias, I don't believe it. Well, I went over later after, the, after she kind of rebuked me and looked at the encyclopedias, and it said 1922, World Book Edition. <laughs> 
Eventually, Grandma's house caught on fire. Grandma got out just fine, but the books burned up. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Sometimes you need to uh, get caught up on some things. My friends, um, uh, we have to move with the Holy Spirit. We long for the Lord's return, particularly because we see all of the, the turmoil in the earth, and we see even creation groaning. Uh, but these are signs of the Lord's coming, but yet things must happen, and we must uh, vamp up everything that we can because of the Great Commission. God's backing that, empowering that. We want to be riding this gigantic wave of mass evangelism and salvations and, and signs, wonder, and glory that is going to be re released around the world to God's people to pull the great harvest nets in. And then when we're done, then watch how quickly God moves to uh, catch the saints up. Now, some believe that uh, that the saints go through the tribulation. Uh, I believe in the catching up. That's what Paul said. We will go to meet him in the air. I believe the Bible. I believe that we're not appointed unto wrath. There are others that want to, they want to tribulate. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe according to their faith, it will be unto them. But I do believe that God's compassionate and merciful and anybody that claims Christ Jesus, the Messiah, uh, Yeshua as their Savior, I believe Jesus is going to take them. He's going to just come grab the whole group, grab all of us, and take us out. And then when the restraining force is removed, then finally the Antichrist can come on the scene fully and uh, do all the things that the devil has been wanting to do. And he can go to it because we'll be out of here. Praise the Lord. All right. So my friends, what I want to talk today is regarding the situation that uh, there are sequential events. There's things God doesn't skip over. He's not going to skip over Matthew 24. And because of that, we have to have our life with a, I would say like a divine structure also where there is a sequential order. And you go in order. And God has an order. So it's more than just having a plan. It's having the plan that's actually planned out. Where you map it out or you put it in the order that God wants it to be. So I want to talk a little bit today about, we could call it your X-File. Your, your divine vision, your assignment or your mandate from God, things that you know you, you are on this earth to accomplish. You're not just here to eat, eat food, uh, consume oxygen, uh, release carbon dioxide, and then one day die. No, you are here with a purpose that God has designed you for. There's something more for you to do. Hallelujah. It's a special assignment uniquely tailor-made just for you. There's the corporate assignment for the global body of Christ, but as individuals, we also have our own personal life-calling life assignment. So what you want to do is you want to uh, take that vision, even if you really actually have a vision and you see God's plan for your life, you want to take that vision or something that you have perceived in your mind through prayer and meditation on the Word, you want to take it and move it out of your brain and put it on paper. Now, of course, keep, keep it in your brain because you're going to continue to cook on that. But you want to get it on paper so that you can get it before you and work out the nitty-gritty and really get the details and, most very importantly, get them in order. Praise God. You want to write it down. 
and you really want to know the uh, the numbers. You want to crunch the numbers, and you want to know the cost, because you really have to have faith for something specific. It can't just be some kind of imaginary thing that you think, well, I'll just cross that bridge when I get there. Or you need to know what the bridge looks like. In other words, if you have a calling to do something, write it down and then, you know, uh, have a headers and then subheaders and, and, and see the formation of it. But also know that as you progress through it, what type of cost you are looking at. And concerning that, let's take a look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 14, Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower? Now, you may not be called to build a tower, but it could be. Maybe there's somebody watching me. God's called you to build a prayer tower. Okay, maybe you're not supposed to have a prayer cave. Maybe instead of going down, you're supposed to go up. <laughs> and somehow you have it on your mind to build a four-story prayer tower. People can go up in it and pray. I, I don't know. But even if it's not a tower, it could be something. It could be, it could be an orphanage. Uh, it could be a, uh, uh, a women's clinic to help uh, young women that maybe got uh, pregnant outside of marriage and they're facing all of these challenges and troubles and you, you have a means to help them. It could be a, a food kitchen, a soup kitchen, whatever it is, okay? Uh, for which of you intending to build a tower or soup kitchen or hospital, whatever it might be, orphanage, okay, does not first, does not, excuse me, does not sit down first and do what? Count the cost. See, counting the cost pulls you out of the daydream, imaginary play realm. And it brings it over into the realm where like, Lord, I believe you're going to do this. And because of that, uh, we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty and get into the details, Okay? does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Now, this is very important. Don't move. Don't move forward until you see the big picture. Now, watch this. Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it, and trust me, they'll see it if you never finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Well, of course, that would be a very poor testimony against your, your own witness for the Lord, but also, um, yes, yeah, just not a good reflection even uh, towards the body of Christ, the body of Yeshua. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I was thinking earlier as I was looking at that scripture, my wife and I, we know a minister right now. We, uh, I know who he is, where he's at. And this man started to build a building. Uh, it's been, he started over 20 years ago and he has still, are you ready for this? He has still not finished it. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm sure those in the community understand that you can't always get it done on time. Oh, they understand. All right. They understand he started it and he's unable to finish it. And he would make a little progress and a little progress and make some more progress and then have a delay and then make some more progress. And before you know it, over 20 years has gone by. And this is a, this is a commercial building, you know, 300,000 square feet. So he's finished pretty much the outside, but the inside still is just a big vacant shell. Well, on, if we stay on this trajectory, 
Maybe he'll finish it by the year 2070. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing. He's mocked in the community. Why? He started something, said that it would be done by this time, and it hasn't. The time came and went. News reporters in the city went out and interviewed him. Well, uh, when are you going to have it done? I'll have it done within a year. Year goes by, nothing done. Three years go by, still not done. So 20 plus years, and people are wondering, wow, will it ever get finished? What happened there? Here's what I think what took place. Not, not to give condemnation because the dear man of God who's, uh, who owns that building and is endeavoring to complete it, he's a good man. But I would say somewhere along the line in the initial phases, before the first footer was ever poured, before the blueprints were ever stamped and the engineers ever gave the green approval symbol, before any of that, I would say it probably needed more prayer. More prayer for what reason, Pastor Stephen? To really dial in the specifics. Well, Pastor Stephen, what kind of specifics? Uh, how about square footage? How about the size? Because the Lord, if he's guiding you into something, he's going to give you numbers if you pray long enough and wait upon him long enough to get those numbers. Because remember, we all have to fight this human element that we have where maybe we can be ambitious and there needs to be a place for that. But it's very easy to get over ambitious. It's very easy. Maybe even a moment when you're at a high point and you think this will be sustained forever. But what happens if that's not sustained in that way? What happens if that oil well eventually runs out of oil? Uh, shouldn't we be doing some research and development and exploratory uh, exploratory uh, work to find another well? Well, that's what all the other companies do. So whatever the situation is, there can be variables that change things or affect things. Now you need to trust the Lord, but the problem is if you bite off more than you can chew, God's not responsible for that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, you got Bible for that. Do you have scripture for that? Well, I think a good example, if we look in the book of Genesis, which is, uh, I think anything probably you need an answer on. I honestly believe you could probably find it somewhere in Genesis. Even if you wanted an answer on what color to make the carpet, I actually think you could probably find an answer somewhere in Genesis. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said to Noah, and just like God said to Noah, he can say to you also, if it is a true God assignment, true vision, not something that we get worked up because maybe we're, we're in an excitement of a moment and it's a good idea, but it's, it's not a God thing. Well, this is a God thing. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. Well, that'll get your attention. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That would be the wicked people. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Oh, Noah, you're going into the shipbuilding business, and you're going to make it out of an exotic wood called gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. By the way, gopher wood, some 
creation scientists think it's not a species of, tr of a tree, but rather it is a system of wood of construction. Uh, and many of them believe it's actually, that means to laminate. So it's laminated, um, a laminated, glued, layered type of wood, which is extremely, extremely strong. Most subfloors in houses whether it's a quarter, uh, three quarters or an inch uh, thick, they are, it's just laminated with a uh, really uh, strong resin. And you just put layer upon layer and you, you can literally have an elephant stand on it and it's not going to break it. Well, that's probably what that was. Okay. Now make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. That would be a type of tar so that it's definitely going to be waterproof. And this is how you shall make it. Here we go. We're going to get some specifications because we don't, we don't want to build uh we don't want to overbuild because that's extra work. And that's also something that we're not called to do. So if we're not called to do it, we're not responsible for that. And we've got enough already that we are going to be responsible for. We certainly don't want to fabricate something out beyond that because we're probably not going to be able to get it done. And at the same time, we don't want to build a little tugboat because the waves when this thing breaks loose, the waves are going to go over the ship. The, the water is going to cover the earth. And um, we want to make sure that we're not out there in a little bitty uh, uh, rubber toy boat or something like that. So let's get it right. Okay. Now, and this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. There you go. There you go. Pastor Steve, I'm going to build a building. Well, God told me to build a building. Oh, good. What are the, what are the uh, dimensions? I don't know. I'm just going, we're just going to put something up. Praise God. <laughs> Woo. Amen. Mm, Pastor Stephen, people don't really do that, do they? All the time, all the time. And uh, even in America today, there are, uh, in uh, some of our most famous cities, there are skyscrapers. There are tall buildings, many of them over 50 stories high that are loaded with flaws, flaws on the exterior facade, granite chunks falling off, uh, glass plates that are cracking, um, water rot and um, poor build quality, structural issues, foundational issues, all because things were not done in a sequential order and measurements were just not dialed in the way they should have been. It happens all the time, all over the world. And even sometimes in some countries where building codes are more lax and where, uh, you know, uh, those that are supposed to give approval to certain plans. They can be bought in, in other words, bribes. And then, and then later the whole building comes down people perish and so forth. Wow. So let's get it right. Let's not overbuild. Let's, let's certainly not underbuild, but let's get it right. We need to know these things from the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't know. Well, then don't cut down one tree. Noah's not going to, he's not going to chop down one tree until he knows what type of wood. Okay, we're going to go laminate it. We're going to overlay it. We're going we're gonna to make a glue. Okay, and uh, we're going to build it this long, this wide. It's going to be three stories high. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it. Isn't that nice? That way Noah and the giraffe can look out. You shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. 
It's going to be packed out. Pastor Steve, what about all those animals? Woo! That must have been a real doozy all those days. Oh, not really. I'm sure, you know, initially, you know, you had to get everybody settled down. But what happens to any animal, basically, when it gets real dark outside and it starts raining and uh, you have that going on nonstop for many days? Oh, you go, you go to sleep. You go into hibernation. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Well, anyhow, my friends, you see the point is that we, uh, concerning these special projects and even the order, we have to, from the foundation, from the get-go, we have to get it right. We have to get it right. Praise the Lord. Uh, Dr. David Bishop Oyedipo in Nigeria is building a church building structure that will seat 100,000 members at one time. And Dr. Nietzsche already has a building that will seat at the Glory Dome 100,000, but uh, Bishop Oyedipo is building one now too. And uh, they already have the money in the bank for the first phase of the construction, which is 250 million uh, U.S. dollars. And uh, by, by the way, that's all African money. That they're, they're, They understand the covenant. They're working that covenant. God's blessing them. And uh, uh, they're very strong in that area. But uh, Bishop Oyedipo admitted that uh, he almost made a major mistake by having the building built in the wrong spot. <laughs> so can you imagine that if you were to pour all of that money and labor and expense and effort Oh, you know, well, what a mess. And then find out later, oh, it's the wrong spot. So when you have very important things, you have to get it right the first time. Let's pray. Let's make sure that we don't overbuild. Why? Because if you, if you do it in the wrong spot, wrong place, wrong size, you're probably never going to get it done. You're not going to get it finished. It's going to turn into a nightmare mess. And we need to really pray. And then, and then people mock and make fun of, of the, the church. Um, and we need to pray so that we get these things right before we ever launch out. Praise God. Now, let's continue on. Uh, Exodus chapter 2. Mm. So we're going to go in sequential order. Now, I'm going to share a few more things. I want you to pay attention because I think I think for some of you, there's going to be a little bit of, um, uh, maybe we call it musical chairs. Now, if you don't live in America, that phrase musical chairs means like you're going to move some things around. You're going to reposition some things. So, so watch this. We're in Exodus chapter 2. Let's go to verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses must have learned a little bit of martial arts while he was being raised in Pharaoh's house. Well, he just killed somebody. Okay. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Yet it's become known and it's spreading all over the place. 
When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well, probably thinking, what in the world went wrong? My friends, I'm sure he caught the revelation, probably didn't take him too long. What went wrong was wrong timing. The sequential order was messed up. Oh, he's, he's caught the vision. He knows there's something special about his life. He knows God's hand is on his life. And even though he's being raised in Pharaoh's house, he is not indulging in all of the sin options that are available for him, but he's living a clean and a pure life. And uh, he knows he has a destiny and he knows something has been unveiled to him where he knows he's called to deliver the children of Israel whom he is. He is an Israelite. Praise God. But what happened? He did it in the flesh. He did it out of timing and it was a mess. Now you've got somebody dead. You've killed somebody. My friends, there is no better place to be than in the perfect will of God. And I don't care what that place is. As long as it's the perfect will of God, put me there and the world can have all of its fluff and huff and puff. I don't care. <laughs> I, all I want is God's plan for my life. I want to be in God's perfect will for my life. Praise the Lord. And I know you do too. Amen. But so much of that and even accomplishing what God has called you to do is based on sequential order and in other words, timing. And if you try to do it now and it's not meant to happen until 40 years later, like it was for Moses, you will be in, you will be in a mess continually. You'll go from one thing to another and it, nothing will work. Things don't work out. And you think it's people's fault or you think maybe, you know, what in the world is going on around here? Well, what's going on is that it's just not right. It's not meant to be. That's why it's either not happening or it's not, it's not sinking. And, uh, uh, now, now there's bad vibes and it's just, it's just not happening. Okay, whenever that's going on, don't, don't just think, well, this is the devil. I'm going to pray over this. I'm going to bind the devil. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm laughing because I've been there. I've, I've done these things myself. But the funny thing about it is that it's not the devil. So often it's not the devil, it's God. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. And there's Moses sitting down by that well going, whoa, what happened? All I tried to do was do what God called me to do. And next thing I know, I'm a refugee running for my life. Wow. Well, he got it figured out later. The timing was later. And when it happened, boom, okay, it's on. And, uh, you know, the, the bush on fire and the uh, divine encounter. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I mean, he got, he got the whole thing with the whole package, okay? He got it all. You will too. <laughs> but it's the steps. It's the processes. You can't skip things you have to go. Um, the world calls it paying your dues, and there is a truth to that. Um, where maybe people say, were well, you were an overnight success, like Joseph. He was an overnight success. Yeah, but he was building on that for years and years before he ever got out of that prison. This, this is a matter of character, refining, development. And so the truth is, no, you don't skip. You don't want to because there will be something uh, of a deficit in your life. And if, you, if you've skipped it and you get there, even if you get there, you will be 
not properly equipped. And then you're going to feel insecure because you, you realize that others got there and they, they've got the goods, but you, you would feel inadequate. So God knows that. He would never want that to happen to you. That would have been the case with Moses, uh, with the premature, you know, move like that. But when it is time, then everything goes like extremely good. I mean, you still have the enemy and you still have, you know, the world that we live in, all the things you have to work through, but it's just like night and day difference. And the big thing is that, you know, God's with you. So even though there's challenges, you still just keep going forward. Woo. Praise the Lord. So timing is very important. And here's, what's fascinating is that you have your vision, you have your plan, but with that plan, there is like, uh, like one, two, three, four, five, you know, there's the sequence of how you're going to walk it out. Or maybe we could say like there's a B C D E F G. Here's what I want to say. This is what I felt impressed to say. Some of you, you have a, and you feel real solid about a, yeah, this is my main focus, a, and then B C D E. I felt with some of you that God would even say that what you have marked as G is actually supposed to be in the bracket of A, and A is a little far, farther down. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting where you would think this is the focus, but God says, no, what you have is number seven is actually what you're supposed to be putting the emphasis on right now. Isn't that amazing? I just wanted to share that. So you can see that knowing the sequence of the events of the things required, we could say like for a liftoff with a rocket, you have to have a countdown. If something is out of order, something's not right, they stop the countdown. So you have to get the sequence right, or we can't have liftoff. Glory to God. But oh, you're going to have it. I believe you're going to get it just right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Now, I've heard this statement. You probably have too. And it's, it's a good statement. Provision follows vision. In other words, provision uh, representing finances and, you know, uh, the financial strength to, to accomplish what you want to do. The statement is provision follows vision. That's true. But I, I would refine it and I would be a little more um, expanded on that statement. I would say it like this. Provision follows vision in a proper sequential order. So if you think the order is this and you're waiting for the money because you're going to put it on this, when God's like, uh, that's why it's not really flowing in the way it's supposed to because the you're going to put it on this and this is supposed to be way down the line and you're actually supposed to put it on this. Wow. You've got to get that right. Or you can misallocate funds, which causes several problems. One it means that something that was supposed to be applied to what was needed was not put there. And so when you do need it, it means it's not going to be there because it went another direction. So it almost creates not one problem, but two. <laughs> so we want to watch those things because provision follows vision when it's in proper sequential order. So I would say it like this in a little simpler way, prioritize your goals concerning 
the overall vision that God has given to you. And the way that you can prioritize them, number one, is that you're, you're going to have to put the, the, the effort in of prayer, waiting on the Lord, while I'm smelling a supernatural fragrance. When I say prayer and waiting on the Lord, I keep getting this fragrance. I got it just before I came to speak to you today, and it's coming back on the same subject when I was meditating earlier. I'm getting suntan lotion real strong. See, suntan lotion is just hanging out with God. You're, you're kind of like in his presence and you're getting tanned and you're, you're in the light of his glory. And when that is on you, what happens? Things go smooth. So suntan lotion is like the anointing. That's what to anoint means to rub down and smear with oil. So that's what I'm getting. And I believe it's very important that you can't get that smoothness that so many of you want uh, without prayer. You're going to have to pray it out. Well, Pastor Chief, I prayed. I haven't heard nothing. But then you haven't prayed long enough. I'm not trying to be rude or I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm saying he will speak just like he spoke to Noah. Noah, these are the dimensions. And Noah's like, great, because I can't, I, I don't know what to build if you don't give that to me. So for many of you, you actually have to have it that specific. Mm -mm. Wow. Mm -mm. Woo, praise you, Lord. He'll give it. And that that comes by revelation by the Holy Spirit. And when you put that time in to wait with the Lord, it'll just come floating up and you'll get it. You, you might get it after your prayer time's over and you're all relaxed, hanging out. Maybe you're eating or maybe you're just doing something. You're not even thinking about it and it'll just float up and you'll know exactly what that, let's say the dimensions would be for the ark or whatever it might be, or the, how, how tall the tower is supposed to be, like Jesus talked about, how wide or circular or square style or whatever you want to make it all those things, what kind of material you want, you know, all, all the fun stuff, praise the Lord. But you have to get that. You have to get that. You have to get the core thing dialed in, praise God. So prioritize your goals. The Holy Spirit will help you with that. And also, God will also send good counselors around you, those that just are able to kind of pick up on that flow, maybe people on your team, uh, perhaps, you know, of course, your spouse, um, maybe somebody who has knowledge in that field um, can share some things that you might not be aware of, and they share some things that are, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's very, very good to know, um, because oftentimes, let's say if it's a building, the bigger you get, the higher up you go, the more red tape you run into all kinds of red tape and a lot of cities have building heights. Then if you have a certain height, that means all kinds of extra uh, fire equipment is needed and on and on it goes. So the Lord sends help in those areas because he knows that you got to get it dialed in. And sometimes you need a little counsel to settle on that final happy spot. And, and the Lord will help you in that area. And he'll bring, I would call it accuracy, accuracy and the focus of what you're trying to do to get the events lined up properly and to make sure that each one is calibrated or totally dialed in. Praise God. Mm -mm. And then what do you do? Well, of course, you need to have it written out. And, you know, you could print it out also. You know, you could type it up on a Word document or something like that. And then you take it and you put it in a folder and you take that folder with you. I take mine with me everywhere I go. 
And I've, on this side, you can't see it, but on this side, I have uh, printed out with a little uh, you know, print machine that pr prints out the sticky tape with a label on it. I've got the name of this uh, particular um, thing I'm focused on, something kingdom-minded, praise God. And what I do is I put it in my folder here, and I usually look at it. Sometimes not, not every day, but, you, but at least every other day I'll look at it. And sometimes I do look at it every day, but not all the time. But I'll take this, and I'll just walk around with it in my hand, open it up and look at it, and pray in tongues for one hour. Now, in order to do that and have a good prayer time over that, I have to, I have to cover my other prayer, prayer areas. You know, I, I pray for our nation. I pray for you. I, I have to have uh, fellowship and relationship with God. When I've covered that, or when I can say I've done my homework, then the Holy Spirit just brings that up, and I take that, and I hit it. Woo! Because it, it, it's fun. Because it's like, Lord, I, I've prayed. I've, I've, I've brought the names of those before you that I've felt led to pray for. And then when that's kind of all done, then I can work on my happy project. Praise God. Amen. And it's a kingdom project. But yes, just go into it and pray for an hour in tongues. And that way you just want to cover that thing in prayer. And then you'll see it. You'll see it come to pass. Praise the Lord. Because you've got information in that. Call it your X file. Okay, like your secret file. You've got information in there. You have dimensions. You have cost. You have, uh, let's say it's a tower, like Jesus said. You have contractors, and you, you printed out their information because you can submit bids to different contractors to so who's going to give you the best price. Or you could have your architect do that for you, or, or whatever it might be, like a ship, like Noah. You have contacts to shipbuilders, and um, maybe there's one you've already settled on. And, uh, you know, you've already uh, have been able to calculate what the cost is going to be and things like that, the materials and all of that, and the build time. Woo, praise God. All of that. Because you have to get it all planned out. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But you're praying over it. You're praying over it. And then comes the suntan lotion, the anointing, the smoothness. And then it works. And you get the timing right. You get the timing right. Even if you have the money, doesn't mean that the timing's right. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. Mm -mm. Glory, glory. All right, lift your hands. I want to pray for you. These are just things to think about uh, concerning your X-File. That I, I want you to always have a file on your life assignment. Uh, and you could be in projects, of course, but you want to have the, the focus uh, nearby you uh, where you can pray over it and put it in your hand. And I, it's hard to beat a file, okay, and take it with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. People see you with that file. They think, hmm, he or she, boy, that person's up to something. Yep, you are. Praise God. You're working. Amen. Praise the Lord. And pray over it. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, I pray you bless your people. I thank you, Father, they're going to achieve liftoff. Let them get the sequential countdown right. Father, no, no Moses moments of a pre-launch because <laughs> the rocket's not going to go in. It's not going to get off the pad or it's going to blow up if it does. Father, help them to nail it and get it just right. Father, Moses had to wait 40 years, but maybe your people maybe only have to wait four months. Maybe there's somebody watching. You've only got to wait four more weeks before God says, now it's time. And then things begin to happen. 
But Father, I thank you also, as we've seen, a lot of that is also involved in how we pray over it. We thank you, Father. I pray, Father, that you help your people because any project can become outstanding, but it's going to depend on the depth of their knowledge. So, Father, anoint them to pray, anoint them with passion, and I thank you, Father, give them the right order. Now, we give you praise because you're doing it, and it's going to be real, real good. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say amen. Praise God. Now, for those of you that would be watching, and for those of you that do not know Jesus as your Savior, as your Messiah, you can know him today. You can get your life right with God and have peace with God and get on that incredible plan that God has just for you, a tailor-made plan for your life. Praise the Lord. And that plan is hidden in Christ. All right, I want you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it in just a moment. If you're watching and you used to be a Christian, but you fell away, got all tangled up and messed up in sin, but you, you want to come back to God. God wants you to come back to Him. And uh, you need to pray so that you might rededicate your life to the Lord. I want you to pray this prayer also, okay? All right, for those two groups, those that are, would be unsaved and those that have, that have unsaved and since you've fallen away from the Lord, today is your day. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you completely. I give my life to you completely. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away and give me your eternal life. Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Now that's called putting your life in order. That's where it begins. That is where it begins. That's the meat and potatoes of where it begins. Get your life right with God. Doesn't it feel good to be clean? Mm -mm. It feels like 2,000 pounds just came off your shoulders, didn't it? Mm, that's the weight of sin gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, anybody that's a Christian, I want to invite you to take Holy Communion with me. And of course, many of the other believers watching from America and around the world as we receive communion together. Grab yourself some grape juice. You don't have to have a nice cup carved out of olive wood from Jerusalem or Bethlehem, actually, like I've got. But you could use a plastic cup or paper cup, whatever works for you. Grab, uh, I have a communion wafer, but you can grab a cracker, a little piece of bread, whatever you have available, and let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We thank you for it. We set it now apart as being holy. We consecrate this as being the flesh and the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that as we receive the Lord's body, we receive, we receive strength, wisdom, favor, and we receive understanding of the order. We have to go in order. Father, Jesus can't come back until everything's been put in, it goes in order. There's things that have to happen. Father, the same with us. Let us walk in that understanding. We thank you. We thank you that you're helping us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body.
Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. If anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them. We bless them. Father, you told us to never return evil for evil, but to return good for evil. We thank you, Father. We bless even those that would be enemies. We bless them and we pray for them. We thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus. We thank you when we were yet sinners, you loved us and you gave your son for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. We have received him and we have fully put our trust in him. Thank you, O God, for saving us. And we now receive the life-giving, precious blood of Jesus. Let's partake together. Woo! Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for watching today. Don't go away. I've got a short message. And um, watch that, and I'll see you back again next time. Bye-bye. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sticking around for this special information that I want to share with you, something that I ask that you would pray about because I really do believe it's a life-changing experience, and I don't say that lightly, and I'm talking about our upcoming tour to Israel in May of 2023. I'm holding the brochure, and if you would like to see this in a digital format, you can visit our website, stephenbrooks.org, and the first slider on the homepage, you can click on that, and we have the entire brochure as a digital download, and you can take a look at it. But I want to share some of the highlights of this incredible trip, which is May 7 through the 17th of 2023. And let me say that the tour company is Noseworthy Travel. They've been in business for decades and decades, and I'm very familiar with their leader, uh, Mr. Robert Vandermaten, and he and I are friends. And Robert, last time I talked to him, has been to Israel. Uh, his last count was 147 times. And when many of the uh, world-leading ministries want to take a tour to Israel, they contact Noseworthy because they know it will be done with excellence and everything will go smoothly. So this is why many ministries, whether it's Perry Stone or Benny Hinn's ministry, they contact Noseworthy, and it is one of the premier Holy Land tour companies in the world, and it's who we have always worked with, and I want you to feel very comfortable because I've been in Israel, and I have, I have actually seen friends that went with a different tour, and we would just happen to cross paths while we were there. I remember one couple were very, very disappointed in their tour company and in their rooms that they were staying in. I mean, even to the point they said, Pastor Stephen, you've got to come see this room we're staying in at this hotel. And I went and took a look at it. And I thought, wow, this is really, this is really not good. And they thought, uh, and, and they said to me, you're right, this is not good. But they were stuck and uh, they were getting really low-level hotels and very poor service. And uh, my friends, it's not like that with us. These hotels, my wife has worked personally with the tour company to pick the very best of the best of the hotels. And some of the hotels we're going to, uh, they're like a boutique luxury style hotel. So even the big tour companies, they can't get these hotels even if they want it to because uh, they have too many people. So we are keeping this 
uh, under 50 people. That way we can all be on one bus. We all can get into some of these smaller areas that the big groups can't always get to. And uh, also, we, that opens up some of these specialty hotels that we are able to get into, and they're very, very nice. Look, you're going to look forward to coming back to your hotel after the, a long day of sightseeing and learning about the Holy Land. You will absolutely enjoy your time in your hotel, and I want you to be looking forward to this because while you will be inundated with biblical knowledge and information, this is also an absolutely enjoyable time. The food is incredible. The hotels are incredible. Israel, the Holy Land, is incredible. My friends, I believe this will be a highlight of your life for you, and that's why I really want you to pray about coming to Israel with me and Pastor Kelly. We are going to have so much fun, and I want to see you on the bus. You know, it only costs $300 to get registered. That gets you registered and gets you on the list, and I want you to do that and then I want you to move forward with making your commitment and your plans to come on this trip. It is absolutely life-changing. By the way, Israel has dropped all COVID restrictions. It's not like when you get there, you have to go through a bunch of tests or things like that. Nope. Just show them your passport. You get stamped and right on in you come. So all that has been dropped. Everything has been streamlined. And when we get there and as we travel daily at specific sites, not all the sites, but at many specific sites, I teach. I open up my Bible. I teach faith edifying messages that will inspire you to do the impossible. And so we're, we're around each other. We're close. We're building up our faith and having a good time in the Lord as we enjoy to me, what is my most favorite nation to visit on the earth, which is the nation of Israel. Praise God. So let's talk just a little bit about what is on this itinerary. On May 7th, we depart from the USA and we head over to Tel Aviv on the overnight flight. Now, if you live in another country, and we've had questions about that, let's say you live in, in England, maybe you're in London, or perhaps you're in Singapore or some other country, and you want to come on this trip, then they will adjust your schedule from where you're departing from. Now, we're departing from America, but we could have some other friends that would be departing from like another nation. All you have to do is contact the tour company. They will make that adjustment for you from where your starting point is. Now, we fly out of New York. So if you live in Dallas or if you live in Orlando or if you live in Seattle, then we uh, the tour agency, gets you. they'll get that connecting ticket for you from your hometown or your closest big airport, and then we'll join up in uh, New York, and we fly out of there to Tel Aviv. Praise God. Now, May 8th, we arrive in Tel Aviv. Welcome to Israel. And you get the rest. And you know what is amazing is that, of course, you land in Tel Aviv, and then you're taken straight to your first hotel, which is in the beautiful city of Netanya. And for many of the Jewish people that live there, um, a lot of people that live in Netanya, they, they did their Aliyah, the Jewish people immigrated from France, from the coastal area on the Mediterranean of France, and they love Netanya because it is absolutely beautiful. We'll be right on the beach, and uh, I tell you, or just right across the street from the beach, 
And it is one of the most beautiful places in Israel. Matter of fact, sometimes when certain prime ministers retire, they like to retire in Netanya. And there's also a golf course there. You have to understand there's not many golf courses in Israel, but there's one there in the Tanya. And that's where we branch out from the beginning of our journey. And it is absolutely beautiful. Praise the Lord. Well, May 9th, we hit on out in the morning. We travel up the beautiful Mediterranean coast to Caesarea Maritime. And this, of course, is an area where the Apostle Paul was at. There's a lot of history here. And it doesn't take long before your mind begins to spin with all of the biblical significance of all of the sites that we begin to see. And it starts quick there at Caesarea Maritime with the uh, ancient ruins. This is where Paul was uh, brought before King Agrippa. And then we're very close to Mount Carmel. So we hit over next to Mount Carmel. And yes, this is where Elijah the prophet called down the fire from heaven. And it is possible on a clear day from the top of Mount Carmel to see over to the Mediterranean. So when you actually go to these places, your mind begins to understand the, the geography of the land. In other, in other words, where Mount Carmel is, uh, as in comparison to Jerusalem or other cities there in the nation of Israel. Okay, so we move on from Mount Carmel to Tel Megiddo. And the word Tel uh, would be a reference to an ancient city that has been wiped out but rebuilt upon. And Tel Megiddo is where 20 different cities lie superimposed upon each other, overlooking what? The plains of Armageddon. Okay, so we talk about that uh, uh, outstanding future event that is on the horizon of world history. And then we visit Nazareth, the boyhood home of Jesus. I tell you what, when you go to Nazareth and you think, this is where he grew up, this is where he lived, and we go to the Mount of Precipice, it begins to solidify your context of the Gospels and of the Scriptures in which they are set. Praise God. We also go to Tiberias, and there we check in uh, to our hotel for the night and also for dinner. Mm -mm. The following day, May 10th, we have our boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, that's always such a, a beautiful place. I have been there when it does seem as if it could be the most peaceful place on the earth. It's just tranquility that's hard to describe. Now, I have been there other times when there has been a storm on the sea and they don't let you go out on the water and you certainly want, wouldn't want to anyhow, but it is absolutely beautiful. And you'll get to walk there and think about Peter, the fisherman, and of course, all of the miracles Jesus did in that area. We're going to move on next to Capernaum, which is very, uh, very important. Jesus uh, eventually uh, moved his ministry headquarters to Capernaum. And there's reasons why he did that. And when we visit Capernaum, you'll better understand uh, that strategic move that he made. Now, we're going to go on after that to the Mount of Beatitudes, which overlooks the Sea of Galilee. Again, stunning beauty and all of the uh, rose gardens that are there. And it's just so well manicured and landscaped. It's an absolutely beautiful place. And then uh, on the same day, we continue on by moving more north, and we go to Kelly and I's, one of our favorite places. We go to the Golan Heights, 
and it is high and you begin to go up. Sometimes there's some clouds up there as we increase in altitude. But we drive all the way up there. There's a fantastic coffee shop and uh, great, great lattes and snacks, desserts, and things like that. So we'll we'll be sure to go by there. But while we're up there, we go to the edge of the Israeli border. We go to Mount Bintal, and you can stand there, and you'll see in the northern distance. I mean, you could. If you had a car, you could just be there in a couple of minutes, but you'll see you can't cross over because you go into Syria. But you'll see a road, and that road goes all the way to Damascus. And that is the same ancient road that the Apostle Paul or Saul was on when he had his conversion experience. It's the same exact road. It is the Damascus road. Woo, praise God. You'll be able to see that from Mount Bintal. And then we return back to our hotel in Tiberias for dinner and a wonderful overnight stay. Now, the next day will be May 11th, and we head down to the Jordan Valley. Things are getting more exciting. Woo! Praise God. <laughs> so we say uh, farewell to the Galilean area, and we go south. And we're going to stop at a very uh, famous baptismal site that for decades was closed uh, but now has been recently, just a couple of years back, it was reopened to tourists. We were one of the first ones to go there when it reopened, but it's called Kassar El Yahud. And this is where most scholars believe the actual baptismal site of Jesus is actually at. And we will go there. See, we're interested in authentic sites, and we're going to go there. And yes, if you want to get baptized in the Jordan, I'd be honored and happy to baptize you. I'll take you under, praise God, and I'll pull you back up too. Praise the Lord. I won't let you float down the river either. <laughs> praise God. By the way, that is also, according to the rabbis, the same place where Elijah transferred the mantle to Elisha. That's just a few hundred yards away from this baptismal site. Again, when you're there and you see the desert type arena that you're in, you begin to understand the culture and the mindset of what this whole area was like, and it makes the scriptures come alive. Look, you're going to get like the equivalent of like a two-year associate's degree in Bible without having to sit for two years in classes. This is assimilation of the ways of God, the Word of God, and the culture of the Israeli people. Praise God. Now, we can also view Jericho, the city of Palms. And of course, the first city to fall when Israel came to conquer their promised land. And then we go south to En Gedi, uh, which is a uh, national park, and that's along the shores of the Dead Sea, where David hid from King Saul. And again, once you're there and you see these caves up in the hills, you think, whoo, this is rugged, and, and it is. And that's where David was endeavoring to survive and stay alive while King Saul was hunting for his life. But then after this, we move on to Jerusalem. Let me say one more thing about En Gedi. There is a waterfall there that uh, has a merging of two streams. One stream is cold. One stream is a bubbling up of a geyser of warm to the verge of hot type water. But they merge together and they come over as a waterfall. And if you want to, uh, 
you can stand underneath it. I've done it before, and it is exhilarating it's to stand underneath that water as it's coming down. And it's, um, it's a little more on the warm side, but it's absolutely refreshing and invigorating. Praise God. Well, of course, bring your shorts or T-shirt or whatever for something like that, because uh, when you, we're in Getty, you are in a, um, uh, a desert-type setting. Then after that, it's time to tor- turn our sights towards the holy city of Jerusalem. We're going to be hit, begin now heading towards that direction. But first, we'll stop to view St. George's Monastery. And yes, there are still monks there. We'll be able to see it. We will not go into it. Women are not allowed, but we will be able to see it. Still, even today, one of the most amazing architectural structures in the earth carved out into the rock and a lot of a uh, lot of very fascinating history there. Praise the Lord. Now, we're moving onward. We entered the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and we take some time to view the city prior to checking in uh, our hotel and having dinner and spending the night there. May 12th, it's time for some big stuff. How about the Mount of Olives? You've read so much about it. You've heard so much about it. It's where Jesus ascended into heaven after speaking to the apostles, and it's where he's going to come back, and his feet uh, will come uh, back and touch down on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split. Let's go there and check it out in person. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we can walk the Palm Sunday Road down to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray among the olive trees. We can travel to the south side of the city and visit Mount Zion. Very important that you have an understanding of Jerusalem and where Mount Zion uh, was located at. It's still there today, of course, but um, it looks different today. So you need to understand the importance of that. And David had a lot of emphasis upon Mount Zion. Praise the Lord. And yes, we will go to the upper room. And so if you do not yet have your prayer language and you do not yet speak in tongues, but you're saved and you love the Lord, well, come on to the upper room with me and we'll get you up there and we'll get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God, because I always pray for believers to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit there in the upper room. And sure enough, Jesus fills his people up to overflowing and out begin the flow, the the tongues, the supernatural language. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Now, the next day we move on to Beersheba. So we're going down south or into the Negev, which is a desert type area. We're going to go to Beersheba, the site of the agreement between Abraham and Abimelech. So it's like going back thousands and thousands of years in time. Then we go to Bet Shemesh, which is the location of the return of the Ark of the Covenant um, uh, after the Philistines had captured the Ark and they brought it back. Well, this is where the Ark was placed at and a lot of history here as well. We're going to continue north after that and then arrive at the Valley of Elah where David slew Goliath. So again, history comes alive. We'll actually stand in that place. The creek bed can still be seen that meanders through the valley where David picked up those five smooth stones and where he took Goliath out with one of them. Okay, then we go back to Jerusalem and we spend the night there, have a wonderful dinner, etc. The next day is May 14th. We go to the pool of Siloam. Praise God. Uh, This, of course, is the story from John chapter 9. I teach there. Uh, about the miracle that took place at the pool of Siloam with the man that was born blind. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to travel on to Ein Karim, which uh, 
when wealthy people or sometimes famous people in Israel retire, maybe from their their uh, long-term career and they've got extra money or they're doing pretty good financially, a lot of them like to retire in Aim Karen because it is so beautiful. And there is an... Uh, there's a, like a, um, what am I trying to say? Like ice cream, uh, yogurt, custard, uh, uh, little shop there. We'll go there and we'll get us an ice cream cone. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. So good. Everything's so good. The food there is always so good. <laughs> Praise God. By the way, that's also where John the Baptist was born at. And a lot of uh, interesting uh, historical truths around his birth. Uh, and, and the enemy's attempt to take his life out, just like there were attempts to take out the life of Jesus, our Messiah. But we're going to go to the birthplace of John the Baptist. Then we're going to go to the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. Anybody who has an interest in the rebuilding of the future temple, you're going to want to go there and see all the preparations that they have been making from the high priest garment uh, to the other uh, Kohen or priestly garments that are being made to all of the utensils and uh, uh, the plans, blueprints, details, um, even the life-size menorah that they have already uh, created, which has over a million dollars worth of gold in it. Let's go take a look at those things. It's always uh, very, very illuminating to go to the Temple Institute. May 15th, we'll stop by the Friends of Zion Museum and hang out and have fun and see some uh, very, what I call super modern technology. And uh, it's a great place to go. Again, a place that loves Israel and expresses that, uh, the, even the, the history of Israel uh, from ancient times, even up to modern political times, you'd be amazed at how many supporters or Zionists or lovers of Israel there have been uh, throughout American history and uh, throughout the past times. And so we're going to go there. It's always a very, very wonderful time at Friends of Zion Museum. And then you have a leisure afternoon in Jerusalem where you're free. You can do whatever you want, okay? We'll have dinner later that night, but that afternoon, hey, hang out and uh, walk around the the holy city. Feel free to explore. Amen. The city is yours. Amen. Glory to God. All right. The next day, May 16th, we go to the Pool of Bethesda. Mm. So we'll be walking through Old City, Jerusalem, with all of us sights and sounds and smells. In some areas, you feel like you're going back in time uh, thousands of years. Woo, thank you, Jesus. We'll spend time in the ruins of the fortress of Antonio. And uh, we'll also got to go to the Davidson Center. And we'll go up the 2,000-year-old Southern Steps. And this once led into the Herodian temple. And the Herodian temple, of course, was the temple that Jesus went into there on the temple mount. But the steps are still there. We'll go up those steps, okay? Praise God. We're going to also go to the Western Wall so that you have an opportunity to pray at the Western Wall and put your hands on the stones. And yes, I've had supernatural encounters with God there. My wife has also. And I believe in some way you're going to encounter the Lord also. Yes, this is historical. Yes, our time there is fantastic and fun. But I believe you'll also have a God encounter. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, on this trip. And then, of course, my friends, we go to the uh, area known as Gordon's Calvary. And also we go to our highlight, which is the garden tomb. And yes, that tomb is still empty. Praise God. The following day is going to be May 17th, and then uh, we return back 
to the USA. And if you are with us from another country, that is also the day that you fly back to your home country. Okay. So this, my friends, is the tour. The cost is $4,749. Remember in the book of Proverbs, it says, buy wisdom, buy wisdom. This is one of the wisest things you could ever do in your life. You may even be the first person in your entire family lineage to go to Israel. And I know that the first person in my family lineage was my grandmother and my grandfather on my mother's side. And they just had this wild idea to go and they went. And of all times, I think that they, if I'm correct, I actually think they went in 1973. <laughs> you know, there's a war that year, but um, they went and uh, it was just, and that, I believe that sowed something into my spiritual DNA. So some of you, uh, you need to, you may be the first one, but I tell you what, I believe what will happen is this is more than just a trip. I know for many of you, your heart will be knit to the land. Your heart will be knit to the Jewish people. And that's what Beulah means. Beulah is an old word, but it means married to the land. Woo! Praise the Lord. And it's a spiritual thing. Hallelujah. And so, yes, we go to uh, gain knowledge and to see the sights, but we also love God's people, the Jewish people. We love Israel. We love the land. And uh, it is such a joy to go. So again, the cost is $47.49. It's an all-inclusive price. It includes the basic tour and guided sightseeing. And trust me, the, the tour guide is off the charts. The knowledge level is just, um, it's like a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> uh, it includes round-trip international airfare. It includes all fuel surcharges and government taxes. It includes all administrative fees and entrance fees. It includes daily breakfast and dinner with even the fish lunch at the Sea of Galilee. By the way, if you don't like the fish, you can have uh, pizza as another option. Uh, it includes the guides, uh, the deluxe motor coach, first class hotels, and a whole lot more. My friends, this tour is loaded like a baked potato with sour cream chives and the cheese piled and piled on top. Uh, it's something else I would really like for you to come along, husbands and wives. This could be like a, uh, like a honeymoon. I mean, this is phenomenal. Uh, yes, we're going to to draw nearer to the Lord, but this this is an incredible trip. Amen. If you're single, come along and uh, fall in love deeper with Jesus and let God uh, do special things uh, for you and to you on this trip. Praise the Lord. The number is one 800 929 4684 and select option two. Once again, the number 1-800-929-4684 and select option two. They'll get you all registered and prepared. And my friends, uh, you, you know, you could, you could pray uh, with credit card and so forth and get yourself ready to go. This trip is going to be, it's going to be off the charts. Praise God. I'll be teaching praying, imparting, hallelujah, we'll be having a good time in the Lord. And let's also watch and see what God will do because God likes to surprise us and sneak up on us and the glory coming in and the touch from heaven. Oh my goodness. Hallelujah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, God grabs you and that's what he's going to do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching that have a desire to go to Israel on this tour. Lord, I thank you. Let everything come together smoothly, quickly, swiftly, and efficiently for them. I thank you, Father God, that there be anticipation, expectation, and I thank you that you're going to meet and go above and beyond 
uh, that which they ask, dare, think, or imagine. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O God, that the greatest way that we can stand with Israel is to stand in Israel. So, Father, we just give you praise for empowering us and blessing us to be able to honor you and be a blessing to your people. Thank you, Father. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, when you go to Israel, you you invest into their national economy. You, you fly over there, and so uh, you fly back, so that contributes. And tourism is gigantic in Israel, and it's vital to the success of their national well-being. So when we go and we eat and we stay in their hotels and when we uh, you know, shop or have fun or whatever it is we're doing, it is all a contribution to the well-being of uh, the beautiful nation of Israel. God told Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you, uh, but I'll curse those who curse you. Let's go and be a blessing to Israel. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, on the bus. We're going to have a lot of fun together. I'm telling you, we're going to have a lot of fun together. All right, make that call and I'll see you real soon. I'll see you in May in person, 7th through the 17th on this Israel tour. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.